0: So we're doing a series called Stronger, and it's talking about having and developing a strong spirit. Proverbs eighteen fourteen says that the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. You see, a strong spirit will help us to overcome physical attacks, financial problems relational difficulties, job, career, even ministerial setbacks, emotional challenges, or anything and everything that the enemy throws your way. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in this day and in this hour. And so we've been talking about some ingredients and in how to develop a strong spirit, but the last couple of weeks we talked about how that Uh, there can be drains that come into our life or things that drain us of spiritual strength. For the last two Sundays, we talked about how that we need to eliminate the drain of fearing and fretting. Now this morning, I really believe I'm led by the Spirit of God to talk to you just a while on eliminating the drain of moaning and groaning and complaining. (laughs) Y'all heard of Joyce Meyer. She said this, she said, I used to think people complain because they have a lot of problems, but I've come to realize they have problems because they complain. <laughs> she goes on to say that complaining doesn't change anything or make any situation better. It amplifies frustration, spreads discontent and discord, and can invoke an invitation to the devil to cause havoc in our lives. Complaining quite frankly, makes us miserable. The psalmist said this. He said, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. It's not a good thing for us to be overwhelmed down here. We need to be on top down here. Oh, when you're overwhelmed, you can go to the rock that is higher than yourself. Now, of course, the children of Israel... Opened up a serious door for serpents, opened up a serious door for the enemy to come in and really, really bring destruction into their camp. Look at with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll notice in verse 5, it says now, with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And then we drop down to verse 5, our verse 9 through 11. It says, Neither tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Verse 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. So we know who the destroyer is, do we not? The thief comes only in order to steal, and to kill, and to destroy So evidently, their murmuring opened up the door for the destroyer to come in. Well, someone says, but Pastor Mark, that was them. What has that got to do with me? Well, it has everything to do with us. Because if you look at the next verse, it goes on to say, Now all these things happened unto them for in samples or examples, and they are written for our admonition or our instruction upon whom the ends of the world are come. And so if I can help you at all today with the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to help you to close the door and keep it shut on moaning and groaning and complaining. You know, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Here's what he said in verse 14. He says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. How many things? Verse 15. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom we shine as lights in the world. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying this. A positive, thankful person is a great witness in a dark world. Folks, we shine when we are thankful. We shine when we give thanks to the one, to the Lord Jesus Christ. A friend of mine in Minneapolis said it this way. If you want to cultivate gratefulness, deliberately move your words and your thoughts from what you don't have to what you do have. For you will always have something for which you can be grateful. So gratitude, I believe, is the secret sauce for a happy and a healthy Christian life. Many of you are going to be in the kitchen this Thanksgiving holiday. Maybe we have some chefs here. You know, a good chef tastes the product and makes sure that everything is just right. And if you're a good chef and you get in someone else's kitchen, not that you tell them it, but you taste it and you just know something's not right. (laughs) Come on, somebody's off. I know what's missing. Well, I've watched Christians throughout the years and in many people's lives, I believe that the secret sauce of gratitude is missing. You see, gratitude must first of all be a condition. When we are grateful, our soul is healthy. And you and I, we live from the inside out. In 3 John 2, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and that you may be in health as your soul prospers. A prosperous soul, a healthy soul, has within it the ingredient of gratitude. That, in fact, should be our condition. I've got your diagnosis for you today. You want to hear it? I'm going to be pretty bold about it. God has been good to you. God's been good to you. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, this is going on, that's going on. Look, you got more sunny days than you do rainy days. You're more blessed than you are bothered. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is good to you. He's being good to you. And he will be good to you all the days of your life. He said, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow us all the days of our life. This creates a condition, an understanding of that. But you see, gratitude is not just a condition. It also must be a practice. Gratitude must be expressed in our lives. The psalmist said, he said, I will bless the Lord most of the time. I will bless the Lord when I feel like it. I will bless the Lord when all my debts are paid and my body's healed and my babies aren't running out all night long. No, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And where is his praise going to be? His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. And then looking at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, or 15. He says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. There's that word again, continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You see, friends, we do not just think our thanks. We say our thanks. If you're married, let me just tell you guys, your marriage will not go well if you only think your thanks to your wife. That went over like a lead balloon. I thought I'd get a better amen from you ladies today. (laughs) Oh, man. Say your thanks. Give your thanks to God. But then we need to thank people. And many of you are going to go out and have a nice brunch after this glorious meal you're getting right now. Listen, folks. When someone waits on you and pours your coffee and brings your food, look them in the eye and smile and say, thank you. And then move beyond your words and go right into your pocketbook. <laughs> And leave a nice tip for them. Be thankful. Thank them over and over and over again. I was up in my office in between services. Then I went over to Brenda's office. And there was a picture of her mom and dad. And I looked right at that picture. And I said, thank you, John. And thank you, Ruthie May, for being Such a great parent to my lovely wife. Thank you for bringing Brenda into this world. Oh, folks, the value of Thanksgiving. I think we've got someone to be thankful for right now. Let's lift our hands and just say thank you to the Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. How about being thankful to first responders? being thankful to the people within your circle so gratitude then it's a condition of our heart but it's also a practice that comes out of our mouth in 1st John our 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 notice with me these few verses here number 1 in 5 and in 16 he says rejoice evermore you know what C.S. Lewis said about joy? He said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Somebody says, well, I know they're rejoicing up there, but did you know that the will of God in heaven is to be done here on earth? I think we as a church could do a little bit better in our rejoicing area. You see, rejoicing is simply a celebration of your expectation so he says rejoice evermore verse 17 pray without ceasing verse 18 in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you friends this is the proper protocol for Christianity in everything give thanks thanks And in Ephesians 5 and verse 20, I want you to make note of this. I want to teach you something kind of as a side journey here. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and we notice in the 20th verse, it states, I want you to read it with me. Ready, read, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's keep that verse up there. And let's look at that word for. For. Now, that word in the Greek is hooper. And hooper simply means over and above and beyond. Everyone say over, over. Above, above, and beyond. Above. Giving thanks for all things. Now, quite frankly, I don't give thanks for a migraine headache. You don't give thanks when your teenage son or teenage daughter is out all night acting like the devil. You do not give thanks for unpaid bills. But in the midst of the test, in the midst of the trial, in the midst where everything looks like it's heading south, you can give thanks Above and over and beyond those things because you know that all things are going to work together for good for those who love God and those that are in the kingdom of God. What are you saying? I'm saying that God is moving. I'm saying that God's been good to you and he'll be good to you right in your midnight hour. Yes. So don't you give up your praise and don't you give up your thanksgiving. There's an earthquake about to show up in your life Amen. that will change the scenery of your finances, that will change the scenery of your family, that will change the scenery of that depression Amen. Amen. over and above. And beyond what's going on. Because you and I, we've been raised up together with him. And we can see life's problems just the way that he sees them. Say it me, I've got the greater one living on the inside of me. And he's working all things for my good. God's on the move. Amen. So that is the proper protocol. I want to spend the balance of my time today in Luke chapter 17. Y'all ready? Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. Luke 17 and verse 11. And we're going to look at this from the amplified version. Luke 17, 11. As he went on his way... To Jerusalem, it occurred that Jesus was passing along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12. And as he was going into one village, he was met by 10 lepers. Now get the picture. They stood at a distance. Why were they at a distance? Because they were no longer welcome as part of the community. And the reason why? Is because they were unclean. And so they were at a distance. But they must have heard something about Jesus. They must have heard that this Jesus Christ of Nazareth the Son of the living God heals the broken in heart. They must have heard that this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God, heals the blind, restores life to people. They must have heard that He raises the dead and that He fed the multitude. And what rose up on the inside of those lepers standing at a distance because you know what there's hope for us they didn't think to themselves well let's just give up on life let's just go our own way this is our lot in life no these lepers had this attitude we're not going to stand here at a distance without crying out for the mercy of God we're not going to just stand out here till we die We're not going to just stand out here until we rot. And he was going into one village. And he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. And they raised up their voices and called to Jesus. Master, take pity and have mercy on us. This was a call and this was a cry For compassion. My friends, if you want to get the master's attention, cry out for his mercy. Has anyone in the house ever needed mercy? Has anyone stubbed their toe? Has anyone ever sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? You know what you need? You know what I need? We need mercy. Have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. Here I am in this situation, and I'm calling out for mercy. And I'm calling out for compassion. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go at once now and show yourself to the priest. You see, it was Levitical protocol that they had to go to the priest and be examined. And the priest would examine them and determine whether or not they were clean or whether they were still unclean. And if the priest would pronounce them clean, they were able to go back to their life as it was before the leprosy hit them. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go at once. Go at once. Go at once. Listen, my brothers and sisters, there's power in going at once. We need to stop waiting around for something to happen before it happens and just go at once when the master says go at once. He said, go at once and show yourself to the priests. And as they went... As they went. Did you know that some great things can happen in your life as you went? I know that ain't good English. But as you went, as you go, and as you act on the master's word, great and glorious things can happen. Go at once. And show yourself to the priests. And as they went. Listen, my brothers and sisters. Faith is acting on the words of the Master. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. They heard the Word of the Master and they went with it. How many of you are going to go with the words of the Master? There comes a release as you go, there comes a release as you went. Notice, and as they went, they were cured and made, glory to God, they were cured and they were made clean. But now notice with me in verse 15, then one of them, say one of them, notice it doesn't say all nine of them, but one of them. Make a determination in your heart. You're going to be one of the one. What do you mean? You're going to be one of the one. You're going to be one of the rare kind that bypasses the spirit of entitlement. Because in the natural realm, you and I don't deserve nothing. Notice. Then one of them Upon seeing that he was cured. Get the picture. Yeah. Here's ten. On the way to the priest. But one of them. One of them. Turned back. Yeah, he turned back. Recognizing. Hallelujah. And thanking. And praising God. You, Keep that verse up there. With what kind of a voice? Oh, wow. Be honest about it. If this was you, if you had had AIDS, if you had had hepatitis C, if you had had cancer, if you had had a debilitating disease that could send you to an early grave and as you went, you were healed. You'd be one of the them, one of the one and you turn back. If this was you, yeah, you wouldn't say, Praise the Lord. No. Praise Lord. The Lord. L- Glory to God, Pastor yeah. Tom. Bless the Lord. No, you would make the people on The Price is Right look calm. <laughs> <laughs> There's some radical folks on The Price is Right be more radical be one of the one be one of the unentitled rare kind God honors rare faith and rare faith is expressed by turning back Then one of them, upon seeing that he was cured, he turned back. This word recognizing there is a very, very profound word. It means he understood something. He understood something that you and I need to get spiritual understanding about. There came an understanding of who his source was recognizing and thanking and praising God whoo, with a loud voice. Notice the next verse. And he fell prostrate at Jesus' feet. I used to go to church as a young boy, especially on Saturday afternoons gear to get rid of my sins and go into the confessional and i genuflect. That's not the word prostrate there. And I'm not downing the Catholics. But what I'm saying is when this leper saw that he was cured and saw that he was healed, he turned back with a loud voice. And my brothers and sisters, he fell flat on his face. He came to the feet of Jesus. And notice with me. Thanking him over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Be one of the one that thanks him repeatedly over and over and over again. I go back to 1974, 75, when I was in that state hospital withdrawing from drug addiction, hadn't slept for two weeks. And I can look into the mirror and I can say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you delivered me from drugs. Thank you that you delivered me from alcohol. I could have gone to hell, but I'm not in hell today. I'm on my way to heaven. And I'll never forget what God's done for me. I'll never get a feeling like I'm entitled Because I pastor a great church and I have nice suits and I have a beautiful wife. I'll never forget what God has done for me. I'll never forget what he's doing for me today. Somebody says, I don't have a dramatic testimony like that, but you have a testimony. I said, you got a testimony. God's been good to you. God is being good to you. And he will forever be good to you. So pull that verse up again. And he fell prostrate at Jesus' feet. Some of you need to return to some people that were huge players in your life, bringing you the good news. Some of you need to go back years and years and thank some of your school teachers. Some of you need to go back for years and thank the person that brought you the gospel. And not only bring an offering of thanksgiving to them, but bring an offering of finance to them. And he fell prostrate. He fell at Jesus' feet. Beautiful are the feet of him. That brings glad tidings of good news to you and to me. And he fell prostrate at Jesus' feet. Thanking him over and over. He was a Samaritan. Samaritan were outside of the covenant. But in Christ Jesus, there is no such a thing as someone on the outside looking in. Jesus takes everybody in. He saw two things. He saw two things. Number one, he saw he was healed. But number two, he recognized, he saw, he understood who did it.